I'm Chad Roberts, and I want to welcome you to Awaken to Grace. You know, far too many Christians live a life of defeat. Far too many Christians give up ground that belongs to them because of the victory of Christ. Far too many believers allow Satan to come and plunder their lives, their family, their children. Well, today we're going to talk about how do you turn the tables on the enemy? We're going to go back to the Old Testament. We're going to see a time in David's life that the enemy came and plundered them and stole their wives and their children. And you know what God told David to do? God said, pursue. God said, if you'll pursue this army, you'll overtake them. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how do you turn the tables on the enemy? And if you're a Christian that Satan has come after you, if you're a believer that Right now, you're in the throes of a great battle, a spiritual war for your family, for the things that God has given you. Well, take heart today because we're going to learn how to not live defeated Christian lives. No, we're going to learn that the battle is the Lord's and he's going to give us the victory. Let's go to God's word today. First Samuel chapter 30, David at Ziklag. Today I want to talk to you about an incident in King David's life that I think as we work our way through the text, many of you will be able to relate. For some, it will be where you are right now at this moment in your life or in your family, in your spiritual walk. For others, it will remind you of the past. Perhaps places you've been in your past. But either way, we're going to go somewhere forward today that I think is going to encourage you. I think is going to strengthen you. And I think God willing will transform your life and your family. I want to call today enough is enough for a very specific reason. I don't know your situation. I don't know where you are spiritually. Only you know that. I can't see your heart. <laughs> I can't even see you physically. But I sure can't see your heart. But I know this in my career of pastoring so far. I know this. There are more Christians who are living defeated than that are living in victory. I know this, that there are far more Christians today who are weak, anemic, struggling, powerless, helpless than those that are marching forward in Jesus' name. And today I want to look at a story. I want to look at a situation. I want to see where King David was. But more important, I want us to see what led him there, Because the same thing that led David to the situation he got in, I believe, is for most of us what leads us into our predicaments. 1 Samuel chapter 30 is the story of a city called Ziklag. Ziklag was a city, if you're going to take notes, I want to give you some background because... I believe it will make the text really come alive. 
Ziklag was in a province of the Philistines. How many of you know who the Philistines were in the Old Testament? Anybody remember the giant named Goliath? He was the champion of the Philistines. He was from a place called Gath. And Ziklag was a city in the region of Gath that was controlled by the Philistines. To really understand what's happening in chapter 30... Ziklag was a city that David took his 600 mighty men to, plus all their wives, plus all their children. Scholars think there were probably up to 3,000 people living in Ziklag that followed David. This was a time period in David's life that was very uh, volatile, that was very scary, that was very troublesome. His confidant, his mentor, his spiritual guide, the prophet Samuel, has already died and has passed away. If you remember, Samuel anointed David king of Israel. But the problem was, while David was anointed king of Israel, he had not yet been appointed. For Saul was still the king of Israel. Saul tried to kill David for a number of years. He tried, he hunted and hunted and hunted and hunted after David. And each time, the Lord helped David escape, and David always eluded King Saul. Now, if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 27, it really puts all of this into great perspective for us. Understand what's going on in David's life. Samuel has now passed. He doesn't have a confidant. He doesn't have a spiritual mentor any longer. He's tired. He's exhausted. He's vulnerable. He's wiped out. He's tired of looking over his shoulder. He's tired of living on the run. He's tired of King Saul hunting him. And so what does David do? This is very key. For this is many of our, this is, the, this is the source of many of our problems. Verse number 1 of chapter 27, 1 Samuel, the Bible says that David said to his heart. In other words, David had a conversation with himself. And David says in his heart, I am going to die by the hand of King Saul. Saul's going to catch up with me. And so David reasons to himself. He says to himself, If I go to the land of the Philistines, Saul will not think to look for me there. Let me tell you where you and I often get into trouble. It's when we become our own counselor. It's when we become our own guide. It's when we begin to make our own decisions and we do not ask the Lord what we should do. Anybody ever been there before? Anybody got situations in your past you would love to hit rewind and go back and redo? Anybody, if you were walking with the Lord and if you had consulted with the Lord, you wouldn't have made the decisions you made back then? You know what I'm talking about, right? And see, what I love about David is David is really like a mixed bag. David's like a lot of us. 
At times, he made great decisions. At times, he made horrible decisions. At times, he followed the Lord, and at other times, he followed his flesh. Can anyone relate to King David today? You know, my counseling office, I nickname it a Clint Eastwood movie. I see the good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) And don't we all do it? Don't we make good decisions and then bad decisions? If you're going to take notes today, I want you to write down a few things. Number one, what does Ziklag represent? Ziklag is a city in the country of the Philistines. And David reasons in his heart. David says to himself, I'll go to the Philistines because there Saul will not think to look at me, look for me. Let me tell you what David's thinking. David's trying to hit the easy button. David's trying to take the easy way out. David's tired. He's exhausted. He's always living on the run, always looking over his shoulder. And what's he trying to do? He's trying to get to a comfortable place. And you know what happens when you and I seek to be comfortable? See, the Bible says in the book of Amos, woe unto those who are at ease in Zion. You know God's not called you to a comfortable life. And when you try to become comfortable, we end up in this place called Ziklag, where we never was supposed to be. And what does Ziklag represent? Number one, write this down. Number one, Ziklag is a place of bad decisions. Ziklag is the place where we follow our own desires, we follow our own advice, and we don't follow the voice of the Lord. Is anyone with me right now? We get into trouble because we don't listen to the Lord. We listen to ourselves or we listen to other people around us. Ziklag represents a place of bad decisions. And let me tell you something that maybe no one has ever taught you before, but I want you to hear my heart. Let me tell you pastorally, let me tell you where I see Christians always missing it. People don't understand. They think, well, I love the Lord with all my heart. Why is everything falling apart? People think, well, I go to church and I read my Bible and I try to follow Jesus and I love the Lord and I love his house and I love the things of God. So why is nothing working out in my life? Let me share something with you, my friend. You can love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But if you constantly make bad decisions, there's going to be a consequence to pay. You can read the Bible every single day of your life. You can read a chapter a day. You can read a book a day. But if you constantly make poor decisions, there are going to be consequences. You can love the worship. You can take communion. You can fast. You can tithe. You can do all these spiritual disciplines. But if you always make bad decisions, hear me, you're going to handcuff the blessings of God in your life. And so how do you make good decisions? How do you come to a place where you make good life decisions? I want you to hear me. Friends, you must be discipled. It's discipleship. 
And what is discipleship? What is that? It's learning how to follow Jesus. It means that you don't just read the Bible, you apply the Bible. It means that you don't just read its words, but it means that you align your life to its principles and to its truths. And what happens is you begin to live the Bible. And as you begin to live out its principles, as you begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, as he begins to guide and direct your decisions, as you become a person that leans harder and harder on prayer and on the grace of God, then guess what happens? You begin to make God-honoring decisions. And as you begin to make great decisions, guess what? The blessings of God releases into your life. Is anybody with me today? You understand what I'm saying? God desires to bless you, but sometimes we get in our own way. Is that right or is that wrong? David lied to himself. Let me tell you who will lie to you quicker than anyone. It's you. And you know who lies to me more than anyone? Me. And notice what David says in 1 Samuel verse, uh, verse 1, chapter 27. David says to himself, Saul is going to kill you. <clears throat> Let me tell you, that's not true. You know why it's not true? Because God said, you are going to be king. You know, as believers... As people who trust in God, I have a feeling that if you really boiled it down, if you really got down to the heart of the matter, I bet most of us don't trust God like we think we do. If we weighed how we thought and how we felt, if we weighed that to the promises of God, it would be highly out of sync, wouldn't it? Had David believed the promises of God, he wouldn't have believed that lie. It would not have led him into a bad decision. See, David, who killed the champion of the Philistines, who was the sworn enemy of the Philistines, went and led all of his people where he had no business being to begin with. And now he's going to jump out of the frying pan into... The fire. Anybody ever done that before? Oh, excuse me. You haven't. I'm so sorry. I apologize. This, this is a good time to take a bathroom break if, uh, if you've never done that. Come on now, right? We, we've messed up like this before, right? Every one of us. Now, watch what happens. While David is in Ziklag... I just heard the door. Somebody really went to the bathroom, didn't they? Huh. (laughs) You're not going to understand chapter 30 until you really understand chapter 27. So watch what happened. David jumps out of the frying pan into the fire. He goes to this Philistine king named Achish. If any of you ladies are pregnant right now and you're looking for a Bible name, maybe Achish, I don't know. And uh, he goes to this king named Achish. And David lies to him. 
David settles in among the Philistines. He's in a place he has no business being. And chapter 27 tells us, now remember, he's got his 600 men with him, plus their families, probably about 3,000. And David says, there's no sense in us crowding you. Why don't you give us a city here in your region? There were five regions to the land of the Philistines, five kings. And he's in Gath, where Goliath was from. And he tells King Achish, why don't you give us a a space here? And he gives him the city of Ziklag. Well, David is busy during this time, and he's making raids with his 600 men. And they are raiding the Amalekites, who was the sworn enemy of Israel. Who, As a matter of fact, God told Saul to destroy. Saul refused to do it, and that's why the Lord departed from Saul. But all the while, David is lying to King Achish. And David is telling Achish that he is raiding the Israelites. And Achish is saying to himself, well, he's become a traitor to his own people. I can trust him. He's going to become servant to me. This is going to work out great. And all the while, David is lying. He's deceiving. He's manipulating. He is twisting. I want you to hear me today, church. I don't care what kind of challenge you're up against. David was in a bad kind of way with King Saul. David could justify it all he wanted to justify it. But at the end of the day, God could not bless David's decisions because he was manipulating, he was deceiving, and he was lying. And let me tell you, there are some of you, I know by the Spirit of the Lord today, some of you are in the exact same spot. Some of you, on one hand, you're asking God to bless your marriage, but on the other hand, you deceive your spouse. You lie about money. You lie about purchases. You lie about people you talk to. You lie about things that you're doing right now, and you're manipulative and you're deceptive, and God won't bless you. Some of you are praying that God would bless your job, but you manipulate and you deceive and you twist the truth and you get by with everything you can get by, friends. God will not bless you. Let me tell you, I don't care what your justifications are. I don't care what kind of bad spot you may be in right now. If you're having to twist the truth just to get by, if you're having to manipulate or deceive to make your situation work, you are handcuffing God's blessings over your life. And it won't stand. And see, some of you are being deceived right now because you're saying in your heart, All I need is for things to calm down. That's what David said. All I need is to get to a comfortable place. That's what David was doing. God, all I need is a break in life. That's all David needed. And you know what the Bible says in chapter 27? For 16 months, one year and four months, David lived in Ziklag among the enemy. Lying, twisting, deceiving, And manipulating. And I want you to hear my heart. Listen, I'm not angry at you. I'm trying trying to help you right now. I want you to hear my heart. Some of you justify yourself because you don't tell outright lies, but you tell half-truths. There is no such thing as white lies in the eyes of God. Amen? Amen? 
There is truth and there's deception. Come on now. And if you're someone that you are deceptive, that's lying. You can call it any name. You can paint around it all you want. It's deceptive. And God will not bless it. And here is King Saul, King David. Here is God's man. Here is the man who wrote, The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Here is the man that is a man after God's own heart. And that's why I love David. He's such a mixed bag. We see him excel and then we see him fail. (laughs) Does that feel like anybody here today? David could seek God like no one else, and then he could turn around and lie straight through his teeth. What do you think Paul meant when he said, I don't do the things I want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. And if men like David and Paul said that, how much more should you and I crucify our flesh? How much more should you and I depend on the Holy Spirit to live right and to stay straight, right? And here's David. He's twisting, manipulating, lying, conniving, deceiving. God can't bless him. Now, you flip over to chapter 29, uh, 28. Very bizarre chapter. Saul gets into sorcery, goes to see a medium... The Lord's departed from Saul. He's desperate. The man goes off the rails. He goes and he gets into divination, sorcery, witchcraft, media. Let me tell you, God hates those things. Horoscopes, tarot readings, palm readings, psychics. Let me tell you, if you're dabbling in those things, the Lord hates those things. He hates them. It's sorcery. It's divination. It's witchcraft. And it is. It angers the Lord. You go to chapter 29. And the battle forms between Israel and the Philistines. Now this, is, this gets interesting. Achish. He's a weird duck. <clears throat> he, You know who Achish reminds me of? A- he, well, let me just say this. He, it's, it's like he's infatuated with David, okay? It's like he's got a, he's just infatuated with him. And he asked King David, go to war with us. Now, here's David with 600 Israelites. And David says something really interesting to King Achish. This is something when I get to heaven, I really want to ask David this. I want to say, David, what did you mean? Because I think I know what he means. When King Achish asked him to go to war, siding with the Philistines against Israel, do you know what David says to him? Good. You can see what I can do. <laughs> what do you think King Achish meant by that? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, King David. He said, good. You'll see what I can do. You know what I think David meant by that? I think David grinned, and I think he means, I'll have, the fi- I'll have the heads of all five Philistine kings. Well, the other four, they knew what was up. 
They all get to the battlefield, and the other four kings of the Philistines, they see David and the Israelites, and they tell Achish, what in the world are you doing here with King David? And Achish, who's so infatuated with David, goes, oh, no, 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 read it for yourself. He goes, no, he's my servant. Boy, David lied. He fed the ego of King Achish. He manipulated, oh, boy. God was nowhere in all of this. And, but the other four Philistine kings, they go, no, nah, nah, nah. uh, 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 mm, I can't read between the lines. I want to read between the lines. because. Uh, uh, but here's what the Philistine kings told. They said, no way. You are not bringing David to war with us. They said, have you not heard the song of David? Saul has slain his thousands. David his tens of thousands. No way. So Achish gets outvoted, and he's got to tell David, you and your men got to go home. They won't let you fight with us. And David says, what have I done to you? I think David was going to kill every one of them. So David and his men return home. They march back to Ziklag. Interestingly enough, when Saul committed his great sin in chapter 28, it was prophesied to him, you're going to die in this battle. And isn't it interesting that God prevented David from fighting in the battle that King Saul died in? I find that interesting. Talking about providence. And so David marches back to Ziklag with his men. Now, let's pick up here chapter 30, verse number 1. After marching for three days, the men see smoke rising out of their city. I believe their hearts sank right then. Now say amen if you're with me right now. Amen. David was where he had no business being. David was doing what he had no business doing. I want you to hear my heart today because while David looked spiritual, what David was really doing is he was playing games. David was playing games. He was messing around. He was playing King Achish. He was playing the Amalekites. He was playing in this region that he had no business. But God never called him there. God did not want him there. And all David was doing was playing games. And now it's come home to roost. While David was out playing little war games and David was out making little raids here and there and he was lying and he was manipulating, the enemy was stealing everything they owned. And the men come back from their little war games. And what does the scripture say in verses 2, 3, and 4? The Amalekites came and they raided Ziklag. They burned it with fire and they stole every woman, every child, every livestock, and every possession that David and his men owned. They stole it all. They plundered Ziklag. If you're going to take notes today, I want you to note number one. Ziklag represents a place of bad decisions. You can be spiritual as much as you want, but if you make bad decisions in life, you'll pay the price. David made poor decisions here. 
Number two, Ziklag represents a place of total loss. They lost everything. They were playing games. They were messing around. And before they blinked, they lost their children. They lost their wives. They lost everything that they loved. Watch what happens when they come into the city, verses 3 and 4. They come in, and the men are so overwhelmed. I want you to get it in your mind. These are hardened warriors. These are mighty men of David. These are men of valor. And the Bible says that they wept to the point they had no more strength to weep. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever cried to where there was no more tears left? Have you ever wept to where it drained all the strength out of you and there was no more strength left? Have you ever been so distraught that there was no more will to carry on? And do you know what these men, these men who loved David, these men who left Israel, they uprooted their lives. They turned on King Saul and they followed King David. These men who were called by God. These men who, who were such men of courage. You know what their solution was? Stone David. Let me tell you. You don't make good decisions. You don't make good decisions when you're vulnerable. You know that? And see, these men lost everything. Listen, they were physically exhausted. That was a a three-day journey. They were physically exhausted. They were emotionally exhausted. They wept to the point they could weep no more. They were mentally exhausted. Friends, they were spiritually exhausted. And do you know what their only solution was? Stone David. Well, what good is that going to do? What problem is that going to solve? How is that a solution? Friends, I want you to hear my heart today. There's some of you that you're either going to act like the men who wanted to stone David or you're going to do what David did in a moment. You're just going to, you're just going to react, whatever that feels like. Let me tell you, following your emotions is the worst thing you'll ever do. It is the worst thing you'll ever do. Don't follow your emotions. They'll lead you wrong every single time. They wanted to stone him. But no. You know what David did? I want you to watch what he did. Number one, Ziklag is a place of bad decisions. Number two, Ziklag is a place of total loss. It's where sin catches up to you. But number three, here's the good news today. Ziklag can be a place of turnaround. Ziklag can be a place of spiritual resolve. Ziklag can be a place where you turn the tables on the enemy. And David did three great things, and I want you to note them today. Number one, David encouraged himself in the Lord. I want you to look at verse number six. The Bible says that David was in great distress because the men were going to stone him. But in verse 6, you know what the Bible says that David did? But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Friends, this is a skill 
that you must learn. There's some of you right now, you live such defeated lives because you're always looking for someone else to encourage you. You're always looking to draw strength out of someone else. But let me tell you, one of the greatest skills that you'll ever learn spiritually is how to encourage yourself. How to go to God uh, on behalf of yourself. How to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And it's a skill that you must learn as a believer. Because let me tell you, you'll need it time and time and time again. David strengthened himself in the Lord. I want to talk about that. How do you strengthen yourself? Before I get into that, but uh, just notice this, that phrase, in the Lord. (laughs) I love that. Because you know what that distinguishes to me? If I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord, if I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord, let me tell you what it's not before I tell you what it is. Number one, it's not a pep talk. How many of you know when your world falls apart, the last thing you need is a pep talk? How many of you know that when the enemy really steals things out of your life, the last thing you need is a fake and a shallow, things are going to be okay? Uh, No, they're not. (laughs) That's what you want to say, right? And how many of you know well-meaning people who will come and say crazy things to you and shallow things to you? No, that's not what you need. You need to encourage yourself in the Lord. And you know what that distinguishes? When you encourage yourself in the Lord, it's not fake and it's not phony and it's not shallow. It's not positive thinking. There's power behind it. The word of God is in it. You know what 1 John 1 says? It says you are strong. (laughs) Some of you need that from the Lord today. You don't think you are, but listen to what the word says. You are strong. I believe it's verse 14. You can fact check me. 14 or 15 or maybe 12. Read read the whole chapter. It would be good for you. It says you are strong are strong. Why? Because you're a resilient person? No. Because you have a strong will? No. Because you're dog determined? No. Because everything's going to work out? No. Because God's going to do everything you ask? No. It says you are strong because the word of God abides in you. And as though that wasn't enough, (laughs) you could put a period right there, but the Holy Spirit didn't. You know what it goes on to say? You are strong because the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. What a word. You are strong. You say, Chad, I don't feel like it, but you are. You are strong because the word abides in you. In you, you got to learn how to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And how do you do it? You get around the things of God. Let me tell you. Say amen if you're with me right now. See, half of you nod your head, but I can't see you nod your head, so I don't know. Let me tell you, being, having sight my entire life, And then living the last three years blind. Let me just be very open with you for a moment. 
Most days, mm, I'm on it. I'm joyful. I'm productive. Getting things done. Caring about the will of God. I love it. Let me tell you, I love my life. I love it. I love what I do. I love it. But let me tell you what it's like in my shoes right now, being blind. I'll have a great day. I'll have a phenomenal day. But then within an hour, I'll be in despair. It hit me out of nowhere. Some days I wake up. Most days I get up between 4 and 5 a.m. And I'm ready to go. See, I never know. Some days I don't even want to roll out of bed. And I can't predict it. I can't tell when it happens. It's like hitting a brick wall. Literally and figuratively. Sometimes I do hit brick walls now that I think about it. (laughs) But see, I don't know when it's coming. I don't know when it's going to hit. And so you know what I have to do? I have to, I have to know how to strengthen myself in the Lord. And let me tell you what I do. I have an arsenal of weapons at my fingertips at all times. I carry an arsenal of weaponry with me that I can fight the enemy at any moment that I need to fight. And do you know what my arsenal consists of? You may want to write these down for yourself. Number one, there are certain scriptures that are always at my fingertips. There are certain passages that I have memorized. I have hidden within my heart. There are certain scriptures I can go to my device. I can say, Alexa, read Psalm 34. And let me tell you, I can be in the pits of despair and I'll begin to listen to Psalm 34. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all of his troubles. I will bless the Lord at all times. The Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into him and are safe. Oh, I've got an arsenal. And see, it keeps me strong. Why? Because the word of God abides. I have certain songs that at any moment, I can say, Alexa, play I exalt thee. Alexa, play living hope. Alexa, play God of Revival. And I've got certain songs that I can be in the valley of despair. And as soon as those songs come up, all of a sudden my heart lifts up to the Lord. (laughs) And while I would, and, and oh, hallelujah. What does the Bible say? Those who look upon the Lord, they'll never be put to shame. He'll make your face radiant. What is the Lord? He's the lifter of our heads. Amen. And there'll be sometimes I'll be down in the valley of despair, but I'll listen to a scripture, I'll listen to a song, and it's like the Lord just lifts my head. There's certain preachers 
Most of them I've never met. Many of them are dead. They're already in heaven. There's certain voices, certain preachers I can listen to, and it brings strength into me. There's certain sermons that I can listen to, and immediately it brings strength into me. Friends, you got to know how to encourage yourself in the Lord. There's certain people I can call. There's certain people that I can call, and they won't know anything is wrong. But just hearing their voice, it lifts me. I can call, and I can be in a deep valley, and I don't even have to tell them. I can just say, hey, I just wanted to call, see how you are. And before I know it, they're praying with me. Because that's just who they are. They're prayer warriors. There's certain books, certain authors, certain people. Listen, there are mentors, there are sermons, there are scriptures, there are songs. I have an entire arsenal that at any moment that despair tries to get its clutches around me. No, 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 no. But let me tell you the greatest. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Friends, you've got to put on the armor of God. You've got to have the armor of God. Songs, scriptures, sermons, all those things lift me. But let me tell you, if I didn't have the shield of faith, if I didn't have the breastplate of righteousness, if I didn't have the belt of truth, if I didn't have the shoes of the gospel of peace, if I didn't have the helmet of salvation, if I didn't know how to wield the sword of the spirit, then what hope would I have? And let me ask you a question today. Can you name the armor of God? Because let me tell you, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm going to tell you the truth today. If you can't name the armor of God, there's no way you're wearing it. No way. If you don't even know what it is. And so we wonder why we get attacked. We wonder why Satan plunders our lives. We wonder why he raids our families. We wonder why he can walk off with the things, the blessings that belong to us. And we wonder why we lose. And we wonder why we're depressed. We wonder why we're in despair. Friends. Are you like the men who are just going to cry about it? Is your solution to just cry about it? Or are you going to do what David did? Number one, he encouraged. You know what the word encourage means? It means to give courage. When you encourage yourself in the Lord, it strengthens you. You get courage into your life. And watch what happens with David. Because the same thing that happened to David is the exact same thing that can happen to you today. Number one, he encouraged himself. He strengthened himself. Number two, verse number eight. Verse number seven, he asked for the ephod. He got around the things of God. Verse number eight, watch what he does. He inquires of the Lord. (laughs) This is a different David. This is not the David of 16, 18 months ago. This isn't the David of 1 Samuel 27.1 that reasoned in his own heart. This is not the David that said to himself, I think I'll do this. No. What's the David of the burned Ziklag do? He inquires of the Lord. Friends, are you doing that? 
Are you seeking God for your family? Are you seeking God over your decisions? Are you seeking God over where you should live? Are you seeking God over the influences of your life, over the friends of your life, your acquaintances? Are you seeking God over who has a voice in your life? Let me tell you, the greatest voices in my life point me toward the Lord. Are yours? Do you inquire of the Lord? See, far too many of us, we listen to way too many people. And we're not listening to the Lord. And I don't care if it's your mama. I don't care if it's your grandmama. I don't care if it's a co-worker. I don't care if it's your high school BFF. There isn't anybody that can point you in the right direction except for the Lord. Amen? Amen. I counsel so many people back there in my counseling office. But I tell everybody that I counsel, I tell them, I can't give you the right answers. The only thing I can do is ask the right questions. But let me tell you, do you know where the right answers come from? Inquiring of the Lord. But see, you got to know how to do that. Do you know how to seek the Lord? Do you know how to turn things off? Turn the TV off? Turn the devices off? Turn your phone off? Do you know how to get away, how to get alone with God? If David had... Stayed around all those 600 men. Well, number one, he would have been dead. But number two, he would have stayed in distress. But do you know what David did? He stole away. He got away. And David sought the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Throughout most, most of your week, are you alone with God at any of those points? I mean alone with God. Where your phone's not dinging. The TV's not blaring. The busyness of life is not happening. Are you alone with God? And listen, David sought the Lord. And when David really inquired of the Lord, let me tell you, listen, he didn't go to his generals. He didn't go to his friends. He didn't go to his closest people. He went directly to the Lord. And there's some of us listening today online. There's some of us listening On radio, there's some of us listening here in the building today. We need to stop asking everyone what they think. And we need to begin to ask God, what do you say, Lord? And I'll follow that leading. Amen. He inquired of the Lord. Now, watch what happens. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself. David inquired of the Lord. That's a different David than 1 Samuel 27. And how many of you are thankful that the times you blow it in life, the times you mess up, the times you end up in ziklag? Let me tell you, you get your life off track, God has a way of getting it back on track. Amen? And the same David that blew it, the same David that messed up, the same David that took his life where he had no business being, God is getting ready to get him right back on track. Amen. But when did it come? When he strengthened himself, when he got around the things of God, the ephod, when he inquired of the Lord. And lastly, David engaged in the battle. Look what happened now. See, David, David played games with the Philistines. But see, now game time's over. Now it's time for real war. I'm telling you, by the authority 
of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have been playing games. You've been playing games with God. You've been playing games with church. You've been playing games with prayer. You've been playing games with other people. God's calling some of you to war. You're sick. You're tired of the way your life is. You're sick and tired of the enemy slapping you around. You're sick and tired of living defeated lives. Let me tell you today, you need to say in the spirit, enough is enough. No more. And God's going to call you to war. And now the real war is about to begin. David inquires of the Lord and he says, shall I pursue them? And you know what the Lord says to him? Pursue. I'm telling you, I'm not going to let the enemy come after me anymore. I'm going after him. We're going to turn the tables. We're going to pursue him. God has promised, go, pursue. And David said, if I go, will I overcome them? And God says, you'll overtake them. You know why I think David asked me and not us? You know why? I think David had the mentality, I'm going to have to go alone. I don't think he thought his men would go with him. I think David was prepared to go all by himself. Because God told him, you'll recover it all. David takes his 600 men and they start off verse 9. 200 of them are too exhausted. They're too tired. Remember, they're physically drained. They're emotionally drained. And they can't go any further. Friends, let me tell you, you get serious about God, you better brace yourself. Not everybody's going to go with you. And that's okay. Not everybody's going to go. Not everybody's going to commit the way you are. But that's all right. You go regardless. 200 of them stayed at the brook of Besor. Besor means a, a cold, cool place. See, some people just want comfort. That's all they want. David wanted his stuff back. You got to decide, who are you today? You want a life of ease? You want a life of comfort? Or will you travail? praying that God will turn our sanctuary into a prayer labor room where we travail we see God work we see God respond David encouraged himself in the Lord he strengthened himself he's inquired of the Lord and now David pursues the enemy God works it to where he runs into an Egyptian who leads David straight to the Amalekites. I remember before I went blind, I'd see people on Facebook. Have you ever seen people with Facebook posts that are this long? And they share every detail of their day. That's how this Amalekite was. If he had had a Facebook account, he would have told everything. And he leads David right. And this is where I want to close today. Verse 18, 19. From sundown to sunup. From sunup to sundown. 
David slew the Amalekites. And David took back everything that was stolen. Read it. He recovered all. The Bible says not one woman, not one child, not one livestock, not one possession. David recovered it all. And so can you. So can you. Some of you right now, you're in Ziklag. You're, you're manipulating. You're lying. You're a deceptive person. But you're in church today because you think God will still bless you. He won't. You need to repent so you don't suffer a Ziklag. Many others are suffering right now because of bad decisions. Satan's come and he's destroyed your family. He's destroyed your future because of bad decisions you've made. But let me tell you, child of God, let me tell you, my precious friend, it's not the end of the story. You may be in a chapter You may be in the darkest chapter of your life as I am right now. But it's not the end of the book. Who knows what God is going to do in the next chapter. Amen. What do you need to do now? Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Pursue your enemy. Pray like you've never prayed before. Believe God. Take hold of the promises of God. And I'm telling you, you're going to recover what Satan has stolen. You will. You will. You will. And for those of you who say it's too late, It's too far gone. It's already passed. Friends, God is the author. And God is the finisher of our faith. Not you and not me and not others. God is. So you look to him today. Are you in Ziklag? Are things around your life on fire? Things been destroyed? Has Satan come at will? Encourage yourself in the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Pursue the enemy today. And tell the devil today, enough is enough in Jesus' name. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. How do you need to respond to God? Do you need to repent? Do you need to seek the Lord? Do you need to ask forgiveness for going your own way, for saying in your own heart, I'll do this? Do you need to repent for blowing up decisions, being places you never were supposed to be, being with people you were never supposed to be with? 
Why don't you repent right now and say, God, I can't change the past, but you can sure change my future. (laughs) You can change today, Lord. And just like you got David back on track, God, get me back on track today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's not going to abandon you. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to get you back on track today. We're going to enter a time of prayer right now. And however you need to pray, you pray. If you've been a deceptive person, repent of it right now. You've been misleading people, repent of it right now. You've been sly, you've been cunning, you've been shady, repent of it right now. And ask God to make you a person of truth. Ask God to bless you in ways that previously you've not thought He could. Friends, He can. He could turn the situation around. You got prodigals? You got things stolen from you? Go after it through prayer, through fasting. Go after it. Don't sit in Ziklag crying. Get up. Do something. Pray fast. Call on the name of the Lord. And turn the tables on the enemy. And say today, enough is enough.